All right, everyone, post-game drive, BYU Basketball Edition here on the Cougar Tracks podcast. Cougars fall to the Utah Utes, 73-69. to I am exiting the tight quarters at the Huntsman Center parking lot. There's a, just to kind of give you a description of it, I'm right by the southwest corner of the arena and it's close to the arena it's it's good spot from location but there are not many parking spots to actually park in for the media so it was it was tight quarters uh you know i had to park next to a car that was on an angle but i digress it was just kind of but i bring that up because it was kind of just a struggly night on all fronts, and BYU embodied that completely as, again, they fall 73-69. to 69. I'm driving home to Murray, so not as far of a drive, leaving the Huntsman Center compared to my usual drive from Provo to Murray. I will be doing these podcasts for basketball now, moving forward, all the post games, moving ahead. So just FYI there. BYU's first loss of the season, they're now 8-1 on the year. They only dropped two spots in the Ken Palm ratings from 6 to number 8. But, you know, I got to say, this entire game, just BYU from the get-go, from the get-go, I thought the Dallin Hall offensive first possession, the layup missed, that was a tone setter to me. And, look, it's just one possession, right? But I just felt like it just set... No one at ease, and it was just like, okay, it's going to be one of them nights. Wide open layup. It was a tough shot. You couldn't knock it down, and it goes sideways on you. As I took a wrong turn, and now I'm suddenly in the Institute parking lot. Look, I'm not too familiar up here. I got to get more. I got to learn more about Guardsman Way and (laughs) all these drives here up Utah. We will learn more as... You know, we're going to be coming up here all the time with Big 12 play coming up in the future. So there will be a, a stronger knowledge of the hill going forward. But uh, I will admit, I'm not up here often, so I made a wrong turn. Lovely. Anyway, BYU was just off offensively. And I think the fears of this team, when they don't knock down shots, what does it become? And you saw the product tonight, and it wasn't pretty. I got to say, though, the fact that BYU only lost by four points kind of blows me away. That game had a feel where you could have drawn it up and said, oh, yeah, Utah won by 20. It had that sort of feeling at times to it. But the fact that BYU kept kind of hanging around, kept fighting, I thought that was noteworthy with this group. The high-low action from Utah, though, was a problem for BYU. And I was sitting on press row next to Matt Biamonte, my co-host, and Jerem Jordan with with BYU TV. And Jerem and I were were talking, and it was was the first game where the loss, the absence of Foos loomed large. It was all systems go after that NC State. Like, BYU didn't skip a beat. Khalifa was great. In, in those wins, but not having Foose against Kada, against Brandon Carlson, 
that was significant in this one, and his absence was was just big. BYU still out-rebounded Utah slightly as Utah went pretty cold in the second half, but not having Foose was just such a big deal, and he continues to be out with a hamstring injury, and like I'm not banking on him being back for non-conference play at all. Maybe the first couple of weeks of Big 12 play, and that might be optimistic. These are hamstring injuries. It's a delicate deal. You know, Foose dealt with this last year. He was never healthy, and he wasn't the player that he was his freshman year, and it's a bummer because when he went down on Black Friday, he was finally healthy. He was finally playing like the Foose that everyone expected him to be. Even though he was having to play the five spot, they want to get him to the four. But still, he was owning that position and his touch around the basket, his shooting form at the free throw line. Like Foose just took significant strides like so many aspects of this team, and now he's gone. And losing him was just a big deal against Utah. I thought Brandon Carlson for Utah, he was a big storyline coming in. His injury status, what was he going to do? Was he going to give it a go? I think it's safe to say Utah kind of mailed it in against Southern Utah and had all, all their attention to BYU, and rightfully so. Like, when they only won by two against SUU, people were thinking, oh, there's no way they're going to beat BYU. I didn't think that at all. I kind of compared it to when BYU barely squeaked by Santa Clara in Mark Pope's first year. They barely got by the Broncos. But then a couple nights later, they took down number two Gonzaga in the Marriott Center. Why? Because they were kind of looking ahead a little bit. And Utah, I think, was doing that. And Carlson, you knew he was going to play. He had 13 in the first half, but he was bottled up in the second half. The guy to me that stood out for Utah, and it's a shame that he's not on BYU, because I think Pope would do wonders with him. And, and they recruited him heavily. Kiba Keda, and I talked about him on Cougar Sports Saturday leading up to the broadcast on KSL News Radio. I felt like he was the bigger story. You know, the only two games that Utah's lost this year, Houston, St. John's, those were the two games he was out with injury. Every time that he's played, they've won, and he's getting better. He had a 23-point career-high performance against SUU, had 10 points against U- against BYU. So Keda was a problem. And he's only going to get better. And that's kind of a name to keep an eye on down the road in the Big 12. And I think it's noteworthy that he is playing because I kind of was keeping an eye on him this season thinking, okay, if he doesn't really evolve and kind of carve out a role within Utah's rotation, he might be a transfer portal guy to watch. But now he's settling in and he's becoming a key guy for Utah. And he was a problem. I mean, the high-low action again was, was difficult for BYU. I thought the BYU front court was a pretty big no-show on the offensive end. Khalifa still did a great job on the assist, and he's a great passer. I mean, there were so many times where I was like, wow, what a pass. Six assists for Khalifa. But as far as buckets, there was nothing to write home about. I mean, they ended up with, I believe, six points between Khalifa, Noah Waterman, and Atiki. Noah Waterman was the Noah Waterman of last season. He still had a few boards, but... He was knocking down nothing. He was throwing up some bricks. 0 of 7, 0 points. You can't have that. Waterman's got to come up big for BYU, especially with Foose out. You can't have no no shows from Waterman going into the Big 12, just plain and simple. So that was a little bit discouraging. But again, 
you had a situation late. You're down two. It's 71 to 69. Nine seconds left. You got a chance to either go win the thing or tie it up. And they draw up a play for Dallin Hall. And personally, I think that's the right move. I think Dallin Hall is your late game situation guy that you turn to. Khalifa get, catches the ball, hands it off to Dallin Hall. Kate is guarding him. So they got the size advantage, Utah, but Dallin Hall loses it. To not even get a shot up, that that was a big blow for BYU. Just to, to not even get a look, to get a crack and kind of wonder, ah, what, what could have happened there? So BYU falls to the Utes 73-69 in, in just a game that you just never felt like BYU could kind of get a, a snowball effect going because they buried themselves early. They set the tone, and when you're trying to play catch-up in a tough road venue, it's difficult. You know, and I got to say, my co-host Matt Biamonte, and I love the man, you know, he was giving me grief when I was saying, hey, the Huntsman Center is a house of horrors for BYU. And Matt was, you know, and I'm, I'm giving him grief, and he knows that we're good and everything, but that reared its ugly face again. That building is a nightmare for BYU. It just always has been that way. And I just had a feeling that the shooting wasn't going to work in that gym. I, like, there's no some aura or anything. BYU just straight up couldn't make shots, period. And Utah was making things tough on BYU. Like, credit to Utah's defense. They were making everything that BYU was getting tough. There was no easy buckets. BYU had a few looks that were wide open, just couldn't hit them. But that building, man, like the Huntsman Center, it's why Mark Durant said, I get anxiety going into that place. Rightfully so, because it is a tough place for BYU. You know, I dig, dug into the archives. You know, BYU coming into Saturday night had won six of the last ten in the Huntsman Center. That's a great clip for BYU compared to decades of the past. Like, there was that stretch where they never won in the Huntsman Center. There were some down years for BYU in the 90s and whatnot, but just couldn't get over the hump with Coach Cleve. And, you know, there were some misses, too, with Coach Rose, too. But when you dig into the devil and the details and the numbers on those wins against the Utes, those wins always were against subpar Utah teams. The last time BYU beat a Utah team that went on to go to the NCAA tournament in the Huntsman Center, you got to go back to 94. Like, BYU just doesn't beat Utah teams that amount to anything and go to the postseason. So for Utah's sake, that's kind of a nice little feather in their cap where they could be an NCAA tournament team. And I think that's something you got to remember about this game. Like, yes, it's tough to lose to Utah. It's difficult because you want to kind of maintain that superiority over the rival. But the thing is with this one is that you're no longer in a mid-major conference where quad one opportunities are few and far between. You're going to get them in droves in conference play. So the sting of this loss doesn't have as much pop as in years past. Like this would have been a devastating loss for BYU in years gone by. Like Mark Pope, and I think a reflection of that was Mark Pope in the post game. Like, I've seen Mark Pope after losses, man. And there's been moments where he is just completely dejected. Like, just completely shook about the loss of a game. And here, he kind of came out optimistic and almost positive. Like, 
This is kind of a blip on the radar. Like, yes, I understand the magnitude of losing to Utah. Like, you want to win every game against Utah, plain and simple. However, there's still a lot more to be had, and winning on the road in college basketball is tough, and it was a good learning opportunity for this BYU team. Again, play a lot better. Like, Spencer Johnson was definitely, you know, disappointed. I mean, that was his last crack of the youths, and he squandered it. You know, Spencer Johnson finished the night with 10 points, 4 of 12, had 11 boards. I mean, gave a valiant effort, but still not enough for BYU on the offensive end. But I just think that that loss, that game, I think almost took on greater significance for Utah because the Pac-12 is not as deep as the Big 12 at all. Like, I could see Utah finishing third or fourth in the Pac-12 because after Arizona, there's no one in that league that you go, okay, that's the number two team. Really, I, I, I don't think that. And Utah is a pretty good team. Madsen can, he can get hot, man. He can shoot. He can fill it up. And that was going to be a problem for BYU. And he was attacking early. And again, Kata's going to be good. Like, Utah's not going to be some bad loss where you go, how in the world did you lose this game? Quad three. Like, that's going to be a quad one loss. And when you're in a big 12, it's, it's a matter of now saying, okay, you got to learn from this. And this can't happen again. And call me crazy, but I really think BYU will go into venues like Baylor, like Kansas, and maybe be a little more loose. Like that Utah setting, it's just there's there's always just kind of a tense feeling to that game. And BYU just seems to always go into that thing tight. They just do. I've seen good BYU teams roll into there and they lose. Like it's not easy to win. And and for Utah, that's kind of a sign that, yeah, you might be a postseason team. Like, I think there was a chance, like, both of those teams are NCAA tournament teams. They could both end up on the bubble. But I think they're going to – I think they got a chance. And I think that's all you can really ask for. It's a missed opportunity, though, for BYU. But I, I don't feel like I come away from this game saying BYU's a fraud. Like, I, I don't agree with that. I'm not subscribing to that thought at all. Like, I think BYU's going to be okay. I'm just really worried about the health of this team because no Foose, no Dawson Baker, you're limited. And when the shot's not falling like it was tonight, and there's going to be nights where you go to Iowa State, Hilton Coliseum, man, and it's going to be a grinder, and you can't hit squat. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to lose by 30? You might. Like, it's going to happen. So... But you got to get healthier. And I think Dawson Baker getting healthier, that's got to be key, man, because he's dealing with the foot injury. Mark Pope's even talked about it. He can unlock a lot for this team. I thought Dawson Baker coming out of training camp was one of the better players in the program. And his absence has been difficult for this BYU team. So I think that, you know, get him healthy, get this group healthy heading down the stretch run. They should win the last games in non-conference play the rest of this month. They're going to be at home. There, there's no one that I feel like is a real threat. Like Denver next week gave Colorado State a little bit of a scare, I think a week ago. But by all accounts, BYU should should finish the rest of the way undefeated in non-conference and then head into the Big 12 play and get ready for the gauntlet. So... It's going, to be, it's going to be a challenge, you know, but I think that it's a learning opportunity for this team. I thought Trevin Nell, he's got to come up big on threes, man. He was 0 for 4. He can't have that happen. You know, between Nell, 
Waterman and I believe Khalifa, and again, I'm driving, so I don't have the exact stats. I, I'm trying to go off memory. I believe those three were combined 0 for 11 from three. Can't have that. That's that's a majority of your starting lineup. You got to get something from distance. 18 that shoots the three at a high volume. You can't be going a goose egg with those three. And Khalifa's got that ability. He can knock down the three, but he's got to start hitting that thing consistently a little bit more. So a tough night for BYU. Craig Smith gets his first win over Mark Pope. He was winless coming into this. He had lost at Utah State and then lost the, the first couple uh, to BYU as, as the head coach, the bench boss of the Utah Utes. Good crowd at the Huntsman Center. There was a lot of BYU fans in the upper deck. And it just reminded you again that this rivalry, BYU and Utah, when you're suddenly now on an even playing field, there was no sideshow antics. I think that's one of the noteworthy things coming out of this game is that it's there wasn't some sideshow deal. There wasn't. And I think that's a byproduct of Craig Smith and Mark Pope are really, I think, classy to one another. Like, they're competitors. They want to beat each other. But I think there's a really good respect there. I mean, the first year, Mark Pope and Larry Kraskoviak had to get broken up. And, you know, Chris Jones and Pope are, are going at each other. Like, that would have got a little nasty with Kraskoviak and Pope. But I think Craig Smith and Pope got a really healthy respect. And there wasn't anything crazy in the stands. There was a moment near the Muss. There was like four BYU fans just plopped in the middle of the Muss. And I don't know what happened. It was during the second half of action midway through. But there was a police officer from Salt Lake City PD or University of Utah PD that was then standing in the aisle Kind of, kind of monitoring that area. I don't know what was said. I don't know what exactly happened there. It was out in the distance. But, you know, it's just, that's that's college basketball, the, the intensity, the high-level excitement. And just to know, too, it's no longer this bickering deal of, well, you might have won, but you're in the WCC. Or, yeah, go enjoy the being the seller of the Pac-12. Like, it's now like they're both in the same playing field. They're both in the same league going forward like not this year but moving forward next year and beyond so I just think that adds a fun element and for young people that haven't grown up and witnessed this you kind of got a glimpse of what BYU Utah should be and you know BYU's got to go back to the drawing board and make sure that they've got a team that can take down Utah because that's going to be tough I mean you don't want to have another losing streak inside the Huntsman Center Mark Pope is one and two inside the Huntsman Center. He had a chance to get back on the winning side of things uh, in the win column with a winning record over them there, and he missed out on that opportunity. So those sort of things matter. And, and rivalries, when it's in league play, takes on greater significance, and it becomes huge barometers for job status and, and things like that. So, uh, And that's going to be fun moving forward with those two in the future. So that's going to do it for this post-game drive as I get off the 5300 South exit here in Murray. I'll catch y'all later here on the Cougar Tracks podcast. Going to have a lot of football content here coming up next week. Also have my BYU AD interview with Tom Homo here on the podcast feed, so look out for that. I'll talk to you next time here on the Cougar Tracks podcast. It's powered by kslsports.com.